You're listening to the official podcast of Asbury University, produced by students with God-honoring conversations that inform, edify, and encourage. This is Asbury. We explore culture and current topics through a Christian worldview, promoting a well-balanced life, and we empower our community to belong, become, and be set apart. I'm your host, Abby Lobb. Welcome to This is Asbury. Asbury University podcast. Many of you enjoyed the first generation of this from 2020 called Belonging and Becoming shortly after Dr. Brown became president of Asbury. And I've listened to some of those wonderful conversations Dr. Brown had there, and I'm excited to welcome him back here in this new format from the amazing podcast studio in our Miller Communication Arts building. Welcome. It is so great to be here. We're excited. Well, we've been talking about this for a while, and I'm so glad that we're getting this off the ground for a lot of reasons, mostly because there are so many incredible people on this campus, whether they are faculty, students, or special guests. And I really think listeners will truly be enriched by what they have to say. And I really want to point at something else that's special. So this podcast is created almost entirely by our students. They are so awesome. They've been such a joy to work with. So I just want to share that with our listeners. Yeah, I have always said that the people here at Asbury are so special, and that absolutely includes our amazing students. Yes, couldn't do this without them. And also, I think anyone really would agree that we need to be sharing enlightening content with the world that's thought-provoking and God-honoring. So thank you for being with us today and for your leadership at Asbury. I think our listeners will enjoy the lineup of podcast guests that we have to share on This is Asbury And I think this podcast is a snapshot of why we exist as a Christian liberal arts institution. Yeah, that's the goal. Absolutely. Well, you are our first guest. (laughs) Hooray. (laughs) So let's just take this first episode to go through a few things so our listeners can understand where your thoughts are as president in 2023, where Asbury University is at, and what they can expect to hear on this platform. So I just want to start here. Students here at Asbury often hear the term belong, become, be set apart. So in a snapshot, what does that mean? Yeah, I think for any organization, it's important to define who you are, what you do, why you exist. And I've often mentioned an illustration given by C.S. Lewis from his book, Mere Christianity. He said, if a boat goes out to sea, it has to answer three questions. First, how do I avoid sinking? which is an important question if you're a boat. How do I avoid hitting other boats or ships? But the third question he said is fundamental to the first two. Why is the ship out to sea in the first place? And how silly it is to give attention to those first two questions if you have not settled the third. So over a century ago, Asbury's founder, John Wesley Hughes, wrote that Asbury exists to develop the whole person. And what he's saying is he's describing education that is something beyond information transfer. He was describing formation. And all of these years later, decades later, that is the work we're involved in. There are so many ways to say that, but succinctly put, we endeavor to create the conditions for our students to belong to become and to be set apart. That's so great. Well, Generation Z, what do you see as some defining characteristics that are emerging from our current student population that really inspire you? I'll first say, I don't think anyone wants to be put into a box, and that includes 
a generational box, et cetera, like this generation does this and your generation does that. Having said that, you're right. There are certainly characteristics that arise with greater tendency among generational cohorts. So for Gen Z, we see a generation that is very practical. For example, in terms of education, they are far more likely to ask, what do I get from this experience? What are the deliverables? They're obviously digital natives. They grew up with technology. They are very tech savvy. They're a generation that both desires to change the world for the better, and they have the confidence to do so. I think that's a really important point. These are self-driven individuals, and they're empathic. There is a deep sense of care and concern that others are treated fairly, that they're treated lovingly. And of course, we often talk about Gen Z as valuing genuine interactions and authenticity. These are inspiring attributes. And I would say as educators, we can harness that spirit and assist to fan into flame those attributes that can truly allow them to meaningfully impact the spheres they come to inhabit for the good and for the glory of God. I love that. Well, and along those lines, just like every generation kind of has some unique challenges, but like you said, it's not like it's limited to those things. Gen Z will have some interesting (laughs) challenges. So what are some of the ways that mentors and, and older generations can be supporting them as they enter adulthood? I think that's a very, very important point. The average Gen Z young adult has grown up in a world of turmoil. The last 20 years, our country has experienced rapid change, especially with technology, various uncertainties, and an increasingly polarized and, and I would say, dysfunctional political environment. So it's little wonder that many Gen Z students and young adults experience greater levels of anxiety. So as educators, as mentors, as leaders, we can first and foremost communicate to this generation, we believe in them. We can register our confidence in them, who they are in the Lord, and what they are capable of. And they are capable of a lot. They're capable of extraordinary things. And we can walk beside them in deliberate, loving, and proximate ways. There's never been a better time to really lean into an incarnational understanding of ourselves, that we are embodied, embedded beings, and we are meant for human touch, human interaction, and proximate discourse to grow together. And that absolutely needs to be our attitude as we think about this younger generation. That's great. Switching gears a little bit, we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about the outpouring that happened here in February and how God moved in a radical way on this campus. So what are some of the ways that God personally challenged you out of that? Yeah, honestly, it is hard to put into words. I have shared that I was recently with a group of administrators. They were very eager to hear about the outpouring. And I told them my comments would likely be disappointingly inarticulate. (laughs) I'm still trying to wrap my mind around some of what we saw and what's the appropriate language that doesn't minimize the fullness of what unfolded during that time. But here's what I will say, and and can say with great confidence, I think. First, I'm always quick to point out how special the people are in this community. They're collective imagination, their collective spiritual imagination, a very high spiritual temperature, deep humility, and self-expenditure for the sake of others. I can't emphasize that enough. I've said this, what we saw in February is the greatest act of collective godliness, hospitality, 
and goodwill that I have ever witnessed in my life. People who at great expense to their own time, resources, their sleep, their health, just worked tirelessly to make room at the table so that hungry-hearted students and guests could have this life-altering spiritual encounter. So I was so deeply inspired by the people in this community. I've talked about the hunger that I saw. One of the seminary professors made a really interesting comment. He said from his office he could see the long, long lines to get into Hughes, and he said it reminded me of the pictures of long lines we saw during the Great Depression in the 1930s. And why were there long lines? Because people were hungry, and that was his point. And we just saw such a hunger, a hunger among our students, a hunger among young adults, Gen Z, people coming from our state, our country, throughout the world, uh, just trying to get into this space. And we've repeated over and over again, Matthew 5, 6, blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, they shall be filled. So there was a hunger, and that hunger was met. I also would mention during this time, the metaphor of fire was used a lot. And I share this because a fire is brightest when it is tallest. Uh, And so in this sense, we had a multi-week blazing spiritual bonfire. But a fire is hottest when it moves into smoldering embers. So I say this because I think there's an arc to events like this. There's a trajectory, and that trajectory is always out. It always goes out. The goal was never to perpetually localize what was happening. It was to go out. So to follow that fire metaphor, even though it might look like things were, and I'm I'm doing the air quotes, dying down, what if it was really just getting hotter? And if the ark is out, we wanted the campus visitors, ministries, leaders, other college students who were visiting to take these embers and to be their own kind of torchbearer across the country and across the world. That's great. How do you see Asbury University changed after that? You know, I've heard a lot of students talk about the changes they saw on campus, but from your perspective, what have you seen? Well, you mentioned Gen Z, and one of the things that's interesting about this generation, like statistically speaking, today's Gen Z students come with different spiritual sensibilities than many in previous generations. And again, just from an average standpoint, you know, people are going to differ individually. And oftentimes these students might have a different biblical worldview or a lack even of of what might be described as a biblical worldview. More than a third of Gen Z is religiously unaffiliated, and a lot of Gen Zers don't believe it's necessary to raise children in some kind of religion, for example. They're much less likely to report attending worship services growing up. So I think of this, and then I think of what we've seen in America Just even in the last four years, we're so aware of global wars. There's been economic uncertainty. I mentioned the political polarization, just the inflammatory language that is used, racial injustice, social unrest. And of course, all of this (laughs) happened in the context of a global pandemic as well. So this has been really hard for all of us, but these burdens have been acutely felt by younger generations. They want something 
more. They want something real. They want something genuine. And Abby, you and I have talked about journalism. It was a group, I believe out of New York, who came down and this person was covering the outpouring. And uh, they said in their podcast, look, I don't have a religious background. I don't have a Christian background. I think they even said, I don't even know any Christians. But at the end of that podcast, and I have the quote here, they said, regardless of what you believe, you cannot deny that there are young people out there who earnestly believe in God. And now I think you can say these young people have kicked off a movement of sorts. And that quote inspired me then. That quote inspires me now. I think they're right. This generation, the generation of our students, will be the next movement. I believe that. I believe in them. And we say every day that whether it's you, Abby, me, everyone else at Asbury, when we come to work at Asbury, every day that we pray for these students, every dollar that's invested in their lives and education, these things constitute a living vote for their future. This is a vote of confidence for their future. We had someone who was involved in, in the prayer ministry, and there were many, during the outpouring, mentioned to me that with Gen Z, there are really four things that dominate their prayers when they come forward, anxiety, depression, suicidal ideation, and addiction. And that final day that we were together, which was the college day of prayer, and we have 1,500 young adults and hundreds of thousands, if uh, it may have even been millions, watching this throughout the United States and throughout the world. I'll never forget, I was up in the balcony and just hearing someone from the, the front of the stage addressing these young adults, and they said, you will not be the generation defined by anxiety, depression, suicidal ideation, and addiction. And just to hear this cry of freedom, this swell from, from those young adults. And someone said to me later, and I've never forgotten, they said, if we had the spiritual eyes to see it, we would have seen an altar filled with loosened chains. And it reminded me of that line from the Charles Wesley hymn, And Can It Be, where he said, Long my imprisoned spirit lay, fast bound in sin and nature's night. Thine eye diffused a quickening ray. I woke, my chains fell off, my heart was free. I rose, went forth, and followed thee. I believe the Lord wants to do something with this generation, and we have the privilege, and it is a privilege, <laughs> to join. Yes, it really is. And a lot of those same students will be back here this fall for the fall semester 2023. So big picture, what are you looking forward to about this upcoming year? And what can Asbury students and podcast listeners both look forward to hearing about? Yeah, I've said, and I know this is a, a bit of a bold claim, at Asbury, we aim to be the best university in the country to strike a balance between a student's intellectual, spiritual, and communal formation. And we have a lot of projects and initiatives as a school. There are so many concrete things I could talk about that we're going to be focused on this semester. But this is the big picture aim. And I think this podcast will be a wonderful picture of the inspiring and incredible staff, faculty, students, special visitors who make up this community. There's a quote I love to share around here and have shared it many, many times. It's by the British evangelist Gypsy Smith. And he said, there are five Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and the Christian. And most, he says, most people will never read the first four. 
I love that because our lives are a walking, talking, speaking gospel witness. And among other things, I want listeners to hear stories and thoughts and discussions of what a fifth gospel witness can look like. And on this podcast, I think that is exactly what they'll get. And I think it will be both inspiring and encouraging. Well, thank you so much for joining us for this episode of This is Asbury. To learn more about Asbury University, visit asbury.edu. 